Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, it's my honor and privilege to have a conversation with my friend and longtime colleague, Matthew Winston, Chief Alumni Relations Officer, Alumni Engagement Officer at State University of New York at Binghamton, also known as Binghamton University. Welcome, Matt. Hey, Kim. It's good to, good to get to catch up with you. Yes, definitely a pleasure to see you. So today I wanted to talk to you about alumni engagement in the future state. What do I mean by that? Well, higher education has seen a proliferation of the so-called global campuses, entities that leverage online education to offer remote learning to hundreds of thousands of non-traditional students across across the globe. The global nature of this uh, alumni base means it's highly segmented by culture experiences and expectations with institutions. These students become alumni of the university, but as non-traditional students, we know their relationship with institutions is what I call functional and rather different from that of a traditional student who are part of the campus culture and have a strong affinity to that nostalgic aspect of campus life. Like I went to Nebraska, so I can identify what it means to be a Husker and uh, football Saturdays, all those beautiful things that we used to do as students. So we know this, and we know that this new segment of alumni is going to continue to grow, and the traditional ways in which alumni associations serve alumni have to evolve. With all that being said, what are your general thoughts about this development? Yeah, that I mean, that's an awesome question, and it's a great topic, and thanks again. I'm honored that you would invite me to have this conversation with you. I think, you know, you really kind of hit it on the head when, with your introduction to the question, and that is the, the landscape of uh, what our uh, student population looks like and where they come from is changing. And then by definition, so is our alumni base. And so from the seat that I sit in is how do you continue to uh, develop meaningful relationships with the people who had an experience at your institution? And just like you described, it's not the same type of experience. It's not an on-campus experience where you're living in the dorms and going to the dining halls. Um, and and going to athletic events and, and yep. all that kind of stuff, it, it's it's more of an almost utilitarian sort of experience because people are coming to your organization and they're coming to it from all over the world now because of the online capabilities mm-hmm. and they're having this experience. And so um, that doesn't make it better or worse than the person who was on campus. It just means it's different. And we've got to be creative and forward thinking in terms of how we connect with them. And then in the end, it was inevitable, right? I mean, yeah. online courses and satellite campuses, that, it's, that's been going on for 30 and 40 years. And, it has been. It has right? been. And it, it's, it's, it's just that, you know, I think a lot of people were thinking of it as, oh, yeah, those are just the people that are too busy working and they don't really want to do the college thing. And so they're just doing this as an afterthought. Right. But then pandemic happened. Right. And then we were forced to go everything remote. 
And as we go remote, people realize, well, wait a minute, I can get a program at Binghamton University and I live in Arizona. I don't even have to go there. That works. I like that. Uh, You know, I like that. And I like the program they have. And boom, there you go. Experience changes. That's right. Well, you know, what happened, you're right. The pandemic sort of accelerated something that was inevitable in the first place. Yeah. With the virtual experience. And so, you know, what we've got to do is figure out is how do we continue to maintain our relevance to the person who's gone through that experience, right? And Mm -hmm. and the thing to to think about is that the, the... the thought process of the of the alum, I'll just call them all alums, um, their statement of purpose for why they're engaging in your institution has shifted as well, right? I mean, it just has. like you said, you wanted to go to Nebraska because you wanted to be in the middle of that environment and you wanted to have all that kind of a sort of an on-campus experience. You know, people don't necessarily want or need that anymore. They they want mm-hmm. they want their relationship to the institution to serve a purpose. And, and generally that purpose is either is around their lifestyle and career or, or some sort of networking thing. And we've got to make sure that not only we're a part of that, but that we continue to be a part of that for the rest of their lives. You know, we, we all, what we have been used to doing is asking alums to be a part of the institution's growth for the rest of its life. And now these alums are flipping that on us and saying, no, I want the university to be a part of my growth for the rest of my life. And it doesn't matter what my experience was to get there. And so these online communities, we've got to really think about how do we continue to just network with, with, with people who've had that kind of experience. Very few people are doing it. Very people are even thinking about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you, you know, I think that we'll begin to sort of lose that affinity base and that uh, that connection and, and growth uh, platform that we've enjoyed with our alumni base, if we don't be really thoughtful about how we do that. Yeah, I mean, even even with the uh, traditional sort of tailgate watch parties or you know watch parties in different cities, I was having a conversation with an alum, and we we're talking about how he's got a group of friends that work in wealth management, and it said, "Man, when you're telling us on a Saturday." We got to go sit down, uh, you know, at a bar and watch a game and do the rah-rah thing. That crowd, my friends don't care. They're like, we love the institution, but call us when you're doing a business lunch and networking lunch where we can meet other people who are doing business in our area. And that's our relationship with the institution. Football, whatever, I'd rather be at home and watch that with my wife and kids or my husband, wife, uh, you know, whatever. And so it was interesting we have that conversation and there's been that that talk about what's the what's the right sauce? And then now yeah. you have this reality, right? And that's completely uh, throwing a wrench and everything that we uh, you know we, we we thought we knew. And we're still asking ourselves questions. So how do we do this? Well, how the other thing that they're this? saying is, you know, I don't need the university, I don't need the institution to have a social engagement with my buddies. No. I don't need the university to have a to watch a football game, even with my own classmates or, or, or friends who are wearing the same logo on their shirts. What I need help with is either with my current job, I need the university to help me with my future job, or I may have a current job, but I got a side hustle going, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 I, and I need the university to help me with networking with people who are going to help me on my side hustle. Yeah, and I need to hire a whole bunch of people to come join my company. 
Yeah. How do you yeah. facilitate that? You know, or I have coaching services to offer. Can we partner together? So it's just like, there's so many different nuances in that. So what kind of pivot do you see happening in alumni engagement in a future state when increasingly non-traditional student experience becomes the norm? And we've touched, uh, touched about this as uh, we're going to see more and more of that. Uh, you know, uh, right now we're just talking about people who are, you know, in distance locations, but I'm also seeing uh, folks who have a whole different idea of what it means like to be an alum or to have a relationship with that institution. They may be uh, commuters, you know, you're seeing a lot more folks that are not staying on campus. Right. And again, that, you know, that's, that, that, that's a whole other population. They're, they're, they're coming in during the day and they're doing what other kids do, but once they get done, maybe they're working, maybe they're, they're they have, uh, you know, and working in different fields. So education for them is sort of from an intellectual pursuit and not necessarily from, I need that to get a job because I already got one. Right, right, right. Yeah, you, you know, that's a really good question. So where the pivot stands, because, you know, kind of like what you alluded to, we still have two, we still have the two populations that existed, right? We still mm -hmm. have, uh, you know, the, the group that we're talking about right now who have sort of a more of a, of a usefulness purpose for their engagement with the university, even after they graduate, they're generally young, they're under 50. Um, but then you, but because people are living longer, right? And yeah. they're healthier and they're engaged and they're mobile, you still have a very, every school still has a very large population of people who are over 75 or 80 who can still kick it. Uh, oh, and yeah. You got to, you got to be able to be flexible and, and, and maintain with, with both of them. But, but, you know, what we're talking about is the growing body of people mm -hmm. um, who, who just have a, and it's not a tangential experience, right? It's not a kind of check in and check out experience. It's just an expectation experience. I, I, yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't need the university to help me be social. I want the university to be a part of my professional and, 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 and career growth life. And so, um, you know, the pivot will be for those universities who uh, recognize that you've got to play a role sort of in both of those camps, but particularly with the latter uh, group, that you have to be relevant and impactful to the things that are important to that alum, you know, from a holistic standpoint and not just from a social standpoint. And and again, it's more about you saying to the alum, how can we be, how can we help you and less about these days what we've been doing in the past and saying, hey, alum, this is how you're going to help. Me. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Hey, make a contribution to this program, sponsor this student, you know, attend this cocktail mixer. Uh, we're going to be flying to Buffalo to have a business development forum. You should show up. You know, those kind of things, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of have to rethink those and, 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 and think about how are you going to be successful in engaging those folks that that may not be speaking to right right you know so it's that a, person who you just talked about who you said hey we've got a business development forum in buffalo and we want you to come up and and listen to it no instead maybe it is we'd really like to develop a business development forum plan and we would like for you to help us lead it and run it and use your resources maybe at your company or your or your personal resources and knowing that in the end, that's going to benefit you because you can come and recruit. You like you can come and you can provide a mentor and have that level of impact. You can invest in, you know, some economic development stuff because it's going to, you know, the university is now going to help you with your sort of entrepreneurial spirit. And 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 that's what's more important these days, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, to everybody that I talk to, increasingly, it's a, it's a lot more important to, to, to uh, speak to their entrepreneurial spirit, to speak to their, uh, you know, just the holistic uh, being it's, instead of just say, rah, rah, give back to the place that gave a lot to you. Because, for you know, let's just be honest, in many cases, uh, folks had to go find their own jobs, you know what <laughs> I mean? And, and they, they, they had to get an opening somewhere. And, uh, you know, uh, increasingly, uh, I think uh, alumni engagement offices are intersecting with the career services, career fairs, to sort of provide that service to the alumni population. But uh, like one alum was telling me, said, hey, you know, if you guys set up a website, you know, like a local alumni chapter website, and there was a job board, and there was a services board, so somebody pays a fee and um, to be, uh, you know, to be a member of the local chapter. So let's say they'll go to the, uh, you know, Las Vegas Flyers Alumni Association website, and they can see, I'm looking for an attorney. Here are all the Flyer alumni who are attorneys in the area in different parts. If you want a doctor, things like that. So there are, there are you know, this, this guy, this chapter was asking me to say, hey, can you talk to folks so that we can have that? Because to us, that will make it even more enticing to tell other alumni in the area who are not members of the Alumni Association that, you know, you can find every service that can help. You want a realtor? We got 10 of them. Right. You know, you want, you want a tailor, you want whatever. We got that. And that's a different way of thinking, right? It's a different way of, of, uh, of approaching that being uh, uh, sort of like a, of service to the, to the alumni base that's thinking differently. Yeah. I, you know, there was kind of related to that. There was a certificate program. I'm not going to uh, name the school, but there was a certificate program that I participated in last summer. Uh, that I really, that a whole lot of people participated in last summer because it actually, it ended up being free. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it was actually, it was very well done. I liked the experience. And according to what they shared, like 25,000 people did this like six, seven week online course on this particular topic and earned these credentials. And um you know, I'm I'm not mentioning the school because if I've got a if I've got a recommendation for what that school didn't do is that they didn't capitalize yeah. on the fact that they now have that audience that they could be, you know, cultivating some engagement relationships with, and and it may and maybe it's difficult for them to sort of scale it up to twenty thousand people because I think they only anticipated they'd have four four thousand, and they got twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah, but. The interesting thing about it is, and this is related to kind of everything we've been talking about, I have developed a network, a new network of people on this particular career topic that I would have never connected with before had I not gone through this experience at this school office. And I think we're going to see more of that, whether it's mm -hmm. commoditized or, you know, or not. And I know why they did it for free, because so they could build a network. I think that was very smart. Um, mm -hmm. But people will start adding some some dollars to it. But but the investment will be worth it if you can build your network of people in your career community or your uh, or your it will just your certain your interest community. And yeah, no, I mean, you're you're right. You're right on.
Yeah, I think every I think anyone listening who went through that program would know exactly what program I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's a there's you know there there's another program that I think uh, you may have been part of. Uh, I can't recall, but uh, uh, you know, the uh, Harvard Graduate School of Education has a number mm-hmm. of different leadership programs for people working in the you know municipality level, uh, city managers to you know uh, K through twelve, and then in our space. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 2019, to your point, uh, I was selected with 95 other people from all across the spectrum of higher education to be part of the uh, Institute of Education Management. Right. Okay. And IEM, I think, has been around for 50 years because uh, about a year ago, no, two years ago, I went back for the 50th reunion and it was great. And so what was so great about that? It was sort of like this program at one point was months long, but it was boiled down to a few weeks of highly impactful case focused uh, uh, sort of unpacking of issues that impact higher education. Right. And so here you're in a room with provosts. Uh, you know, you have to be at least an assistant dean to go there, but most everybody there was either a dean academically or an assistant vice president provost, so on and so on, and presidents. So we had a few presidents in the audience. And so we were divided in these, uh, you know, cohorts of 10. And you met morning, evening throughout the program. And I can tell you from where we started week one to week five, it was as if we had known each other for years. Okay. And that relationship still were formed. I mean, it became a very emotional experience because one of the geniuses about the programs is um, it really focuses on getting people to hone in on what their mission is, what their mission is as leaders, and how do you unpack that to help impact an institution. And we joked at the end of the program after you know a few weeks that our cohort should just go and take over a university that's failing and we could run that thing like crazy. And I remember, uh, you know, after leaving that program to this day, okay, just those few weeks to get a certificated program in executive uh, education and then not being an alum of that university, we are still extremely tight. Right. Not just the cohort of 10 that I was part of, but the entire program, you know, I am 19. We still keep in touch. I can pick up the phone and call somebody. And so the genius of this is you have 50 years of cohorts right. that have formed an alumni affinity group of IEM. And so now that institution has IEM alums, you know, alums of the municipality program and so forth. So these groups are just as fanatical and passionate about supporting the Graduate School of Education and its initiatives, right? And uh, I thought that was a that, that was that was a brilliant, brilliant thing to do. And you're hearing a lot a lot of places that are that are taking that approach. That's their future. It's right. not so much about you know uh, programs that are going to take you know five ten years to complete. It's functional programs that can help sharpen the tool set that you have to execute and make a difference. Right. So I thought that was really that that was really key. Yeah, and they're very, very wise to do that. And then the next, you know, their next step, they need to be thinking strategically, okay, how do we keep this cohort or these collections of cohorts sort of engaged, not only with each other, but with, with whatever the institution is. And so 
you know, inviting you back not only for reunion experiences, but, um, you know, for other types of engaging experiences that are important to you. Do you, Can you mentor classes behind you? Can you uh, mm-hmm. help with recruiting other people to be a part of that experience? You know, all the things that we say we kind of want our alums to do for us at our individual schools uh, where we're resident, uh, that, that same sort of philosophy needs to take place at these sort of uh, expanded experiences like the one you described. And look, universities are also in competitions with other kind of organizations that provide, you know, these types of leadership experiences, right? Leadership, oh, yeah, absolutely. The Center for Creative Leadership, all of them have these very short experiences that are bonding and, and they're building a sense of brand loyalty around that experiences with these groups and they're in competition with universities who are trying to do the same thing. So, uh, you know, again, I think, you know, higher education, that's a good opportunity for them to take a page from what the corporates are doing in terms of, you know, it's, it's about that brand loyalty and, and uh, kind of expanding the way that you, you know, that you cultivate the, the time, testimony, talent, and treasure of the people who had an experience with you. Absolutely. So let's shift gears here. So, as, as we've been having this rich conversation, I know you have uh, thought about a few things uh, in advance because uh, I helped you cheat in the exam. <laughs> uh, perhaps you can share, you can suggest uh, five ideas slash programs that alumni engagement officers should consider in order to effectively engage this non-traditional alumni population and ultimately facilitate uh, philanthropic uh, relationships. Yeah, I, I would say... It, I do have some examples, and I don't think they're anything new. I do think that there are things that we need to do more of and be more intentional about uh, as engagement professionals. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I would say more of these industry-related, career-related networking engagement events or opportunities, and they can be virtual and they can be in person, but you know, and they and they can be spread out. But finding ways to keep people connected in these interest spaces is how you're going to keep your relevance to them. And, um, you know, the, the, the second thing I would say is more, try to create more small cohort sort of connections between people, right? Whether it is, men, you know, student to alumni mentoring or alumni to alumni mentoring, but uh, create these small experiences um, where they have an opportunity to to really be impactful you know, and feel that impact, you know, with individuals in or in smaller spaces. Um, something that you alluded to, something that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. We do a we do a very good job of crowdsourcing for cash. We need to crowdsource and and do crowdsourcing for alumni talent, mm-hmm. right? And so like what you were saying, facilitate, you know, getting together these, uh, a group of lawyers or a group of real estate agents or a group of teachers and giving them the opportunity to create something that inures not only to their individual benefit, but also can inure to the benefit of the university and, and even the students that come behind them. Um, that, that, you know, that sort of plays to their selfish, and I, I don't mean selfish in a bad way, but their individual entrepreneurial pursuits and how can you be a part of that very deliberately and, and specifically. Um, I think we need to be better about adjusting our product mix to have a good balance of in-person stuff and online stuff, right? The in-person networking is obvious why you're doing that and what the what the benefits are. 
and the online stuff could could lend itself to being more educational and informational, uh, about, you know, about either the institution or again about someone, some individual, right? You could uh, online the online panel could be a group of alums who want to talk about, uh, you know, Bitcoin, right? Because yeah. they, because they're experts in either making or losing a whole lot of money. Like what's <laughs> happening in Bitcoin? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, the it's last a, thing I would uh-huh. say, kind of structurally, and it, and it become it can become a battle. But I do think that the the alumni engagement and maybe the overall advancement operations at all institutions needs to find a way to either um, have some ownership or at least some strong partnerships with, you know, the career services units on campus, uh, and uh, depending on what kind of institution you are, the the incubator innovation entrepreneurial places on campus and and, mm-hmm. and finding ways to engage your alums in that space. Because again, that sort of plays to the university having a role in their professional and, and lifestyle part of their lives. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, when I, back in the days when I was working as a frontline fundraiser, especially in the business space and in engineering, guess what the initial conversations were always about? They were always about how do we connect the, you know, this alumni with talent and facilitate op- opportunities for research partnership right. or product development right. without failure. So I used to tell people said, you know, I became an engineer by osmosis because I don't yeah, understand yeah. <laughs> every field of engineering, what it means and, and just, just enough to be able to have a conversation with uh, the professionals. But what happened was a lot of these folks, they're entrepreneurs. And so they're not just interested in cutting a blank check to you. They're very, they had very strong affinity to the institutions I served, but they also like to solve problems. Right. So the uh, one gentleman I worked with uh, a previous institution and just this year, he finally gave a million dollars to that institution. And I saw, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And so this is a small business owner and, uh, you know, own a chemical company. And, uh, you know, he was really uh, keen on partnering with researchers in chemical engineering to help develop new products and things like that. And so the more he got engaged, the more he created a business opportunity for him, the more he felt that, you know, this is a relationship that helps me. And how is he going to make money that eventually he's going to donate to us, right? It was because right. of that. But we were very donor-centric in the way that we handled that relationship. We passed that on to, you know, over, over successive development teams finally made that gift. Yeah. Now that he had made that gift, then it's, you know, incumbent upon the colleagues in the engagement side with donor relations and stewardship to work together holistically, right? We That's keep right. that going. And and so uh, I really like that the last piece, of, you know, you're talking about, the symbiotic relationships between, you know, here we're talking an example of a business incubator, but also, you know, with career services, right. uh, you know, with, uh, you know, every aspect of advancement, uh, you know, even when we talk about giving and facilitating giving, um, it, without alumni relations, without alumni engagement as the foundation to what advancement does, uh, you know, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. I'm yet to find a a single entity that's extremely successful with a very, very poor, not forward-thinking alumni engagement function. I mean, that's just, that's just, uh, uh, that's just going to happen. 
That's right. Because if you didn't have that, then you just you could run your entire fundraising operation off of phone phones. Right? Yeah. Which yeah. obviously you can't do. You, you know, the your 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 first gift for people who are at that level, their first gift will never be purely philanthropic. It will always be an investment. Mm-hmm. Right. They want they want an investment. They want some measure of return. And uh, and then after there's a proven sort of symbiotic relationship, then the following gifts may be a little bit more you know, altruistic and philanthropic. But even the person who, like you said, they want to solve problems. So even the person who, who's giving something in an effort to, you know, create some scholarships, they're not they're not they don't want to create scholarships just to write a scholarship check. No, they want not. scholarships for people who will go into this particular industry or field or endeavor or who had an experience like theirs that they hope they can replicate and, and it's their success. And so it, it's always that investment that um, if you term it that way and get people thinking about it that way, again, whether they had a, a campus-based experience or whether they've had an, uh, some sort of other kind of experience, it'll resonate with them. And, and uh, you, you just got to be thinking about your, you know, again, it's UCLA has done a really good job in terms of at least positioning themselves to say, mm-hmm. we're going to be all about you for the rest of your life. Yes. And every component of your life. And I'm sort of watching them and following what Julie Simon and, and others are doing at that university as a model, because it really speaks to the really the topic that what you've talked about, what you've introduced mm-hmm. here. And that is. You know, how do you just kind of continue to play a role in the changing dynamics of, a, of an alum's experience? Absolutely. So, yeah, on, on that note, uh, let's talk about staffing here as we as we wind down. Uh, I mean, obviously, the way we, uh, you know, we, we're, we, we prepare uh, or we train, we mentor uh, our, our team members has to be different, has to be different to uh, uh, to to, again, think about the future state and be nimble in being able to pivot if there are other changes, because they are going to be not if, it's when, you know, institutions are evolving and that picture is going to keep on evolving. Uh, AI is going to impact things here down the line and it's, it already is. And so uh, where your, uh, your your chief development, uh, chief alumni advancement officer hat as you're thinking about talent for the future. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, for me, it always starts with your ability to, to cultivate and maintain relationships. I love relationship builders because, because that's going to be applicable across the board. It's kind of why I like um, student affairs, people who've had a student affairs experience or people who've had a, a nonprofit experience or even an admissions experience, at least in higher education, right? Because yeah. they at least understand the people part of that. And so that's the width of it. But then you also probably need to really start thinking about the depth piece of it and, and having people who have that with skill, but the depth may be very unique, right? They may be mm-hmm. bankers or engineers or, um, you know, or, or connected to some affinity where they can really uh, connect with the, the alums in, in a very unique kind of way that's important to the alum. And, um, you know, it could be someone who is a, you know, a classically trained musician, and you're, mm-hmm. you're that person has a lot of credibility when it comes to talking to someone you're cultivating to to do some funding for the arts. Um, yeah, precisely. Yeah, so kind of really looking. Of course, I'm not looking at. I, I talk about that looking for sort of the advanced 
professional, obviously, with uh, you can kind of build those skill sets inside of someone at the entry level. But as you sort of get to the advanced level and talking to high level volunteers and major donors, you really want someone who can speak to the experience of the, of the audience that you're talking with. And, um, you know, you know, lawyers love lawyers and teachers love mm -hmm. teachers and musicians love musicians. And so, you know, having someone who can who can be there for that. Um, and, and, and connect that tissue uh, in the industry space is probably the way I've, I've thought about it that way with staffing for a while. And I think I'll continue to think about it that way for a long, long time. No, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Let me ask so, you that same question. How do you uh -huh. think about it? Well, you know, along the same lines, I've always had a very nuanced way of, uh, you know, looking at talent. To me, I look for those things that, you know, from a development perspective that uh, I can't teach, you know, integrity, okay, the right moral compass, uh, the uh, ability to uh, be intellectually inquisitive, okay, the ability, you know, being a good human. I mean, I can't teach you how to be a good human. I mean, if you're, if you're a terrible person, you're a terrible person. I can't fix that. And so to me, I've always look for people who possess those intangibles that have a tremendous upside. I mean, one of my favorite uh, hires uh, is a, uh, a young lady uh, who's now very successful. Um, and she was a teacher. She had zero background in fundraising, zero. Right. And I remember a person who I reported to said, well, no, uh, you need to get rid of this person. I said, well, have you mentored them? Have you had a conversation with them? And I, because I'm not going to do that without giving somebody out too, because I can tell you, she's one of the best people I've met in terms of they get it. Yeah. And I worked with that person within six months. They picked up the concept and what we do. And they were one of the top entry level. Actually, she was like number one in terms of productivity and in oh, terms wow. of building relationships. Within two years, she was already a director. Okay. And then, you know, uh, she's had a couple of senior director roles at different places. And, you know, I mean, and it was so that illustrates what I what I talk about in terms of I, I find talent at all levels and I'm not afraid to um sort of take a chance and take and take time and in investing in someone. And people say, well, what if they leave? I said, good, let them leave because they'll go and bless our, 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 our entire industry. Right. And people always come back. People always come back. So I try to focus on those things that, that you cannot find. And I believe everybody can learn what we do. I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. So I like people who are outside, the think outside the box. Yeah. You know, they, they, they keep up with things that are outside our purview. Technology, right. you know, they, they, they're voracious readers and investigators of innovative uh, skills and, and technology. I had a, 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 a junior fundraiser uh, who came to me and was talking to me about, about crypto. They're going to Art Basel, Miami, and said, man, I, everybody over there, all the cool kids, they're dealing NFTs. They're donating NFTs. I was like, what the, what in the world is an NFT? <laughs> so, so I got an NFT 101 right there and said, hey, and also crypto. Do you know how many people are, are doing that? We got to have the infrastructure for that. So I asked him, I said, well, so, you know, uh, I hate to feel like a dinosaur here, but 
that's all foreign language to me. So why don't you put together four slides and explain to me what this is so I can explain to the boss. And right. he did. And so, but what I, I really loved about that guy and I still like that guy is the fact that he's thinking 10 years ahead. Right, right, right. And he's coming to somebody, uh, you know, who's in a senior role and saying, hey, have you thought about this? If we could do this, this would be fun. And I say, well, hey, go ahead and do it. We would love for you to do it. And so I like people like that. And that's been my hiring philosophy is to, to, to build people up. And I think if more of us did that, we'll not have a shortage of talent uh, that we have uh, across our industry because right. folks will see that you have an opportunity to grow. Yes. And, you know, and we got to think beyond our institutions. We can't be, uh, you know, selfishly thinking, well, I'm just building mine. No, let's build the collective. Right. You know, let's, uh, as we say in a case, you know, copy and share everything. Let's copy and share talent. Let's, uh, let, let's help each other be successful in other words. Yeah. So that's my yeah. philosophy. Yeah, that's I my story. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's, that's good stuff. You know, I, I guess I would only offer uh, when it comes to that sort of intangible thing, what I do look for and, and value is uh, people who have a real grasp of context and big picture. Exactly. And, and if you context, big picture and good judgment takes you a long way, no matter what you're doing. And so those are the those are the intangibles that I look for that I would add to to that good list that you shared. Th th thanks for telling me that. I might have to hire all new people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, any uh, any uh, quick uh, takeaway from our conversation that you like our audience to uh, to uh, keep in mind as we wrap up here? No, no. I mean, uh, kind of rehashing a little bit of what we talked about again. I, you know, I'm I'm just a big believer of recognizing that our alums want us to be a part of their life forever in the way that we wanted them to be a part of the university's life forever. And we've got to reciprocate that and understand that that, that they're bringing that level of value and, and asking for it back. And then, you know, the, the work that we do, regardless of what part of advancement we're in, whether it's, you know, PR, alumni engagement, or fundraising, it's just all about making those connections and 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 those interactions. And, and, and we're being very specific about doing it, you know, around career interest and 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 that kind of thing and and the only thing it taught only thing it has taught me uh, as we try to figure out those career interests is that if I were a smart man 20 years ago I would have invested in match.com yes <laughs> because those algorithms are helping us from the technology side match people with with like talent and like interest and uh, we we've, we've got to figure out how to sort of be our own little in you know mini match.coms um you know, at our at our at our organizations, so that we can we can help serve the people who we kind of are invested in serving. Other than that, man, hey, you know, I always love catching up with you, man. It's always good to see you and talk to you. Always good, always good. And you know, you brought up uh, you know a, a, an interesting topic that just got me thinking: artificial intelligence and advancement. AI, baby, it's the age of AI. Yeah, that's right. You, that's a, that's a whole podcast. A whole nother podcast. I'm not smart <laughs> enough to be your guest. <laughs> I, I think I have somebody in mind. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon. Yeah.